the cross, wasn't it? Oh, I'm thankful we can go back to that place. The cross is kind of our Christian receipt, you know. Uh, They get you at Walmart, you're coming out the door and you have some bags and they want to see that receipt, that proof of payment. And boy, the cross of Christ is our proof of payment that our sins have been paid in full. And boy, I hope you've claimed that today. Amen. It was paid for you just like it was paid for me. And I hope that you've trusted Christ as your Savior today. Take our Bibles out this morning. Let's turn to the New Testament to John chapter number 15. John chapter number 15. Boy, it's been a good week. We had our back-to-school revival uh, last week, and boy, what a great time we had there, Pastor Odom, preaching not just to our young people, but preaching to all of us, and great time together, and extra church is always a good thing when you have that opportunity, and it's good to be back here today. Sunday is the special day of the week, isn't it? Opportunity to be back in God's house, read from His Word, be amongst His people, and uh, I hear today is also another special day. For the carnies up there, amen. Uh, Brother Jim told me this morning that him and his beautiful wife have been married 35 years. Amen. I think that's something worth mentioning. 35 years. We had the Greens Wednesday night, I think it was, or Thursday on uh, for 60 years. And Brother Jim and uh, Miss Stacy up there with 35 years. I didn't want to tell him that he's been married just about as long as I've been alive because I didn't want him to feel old, so I'm not going to tell him that. John chapter 15, let's stand together this morning. John chapter 15, one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's all red. Uh, favorite chapters you read down through here, the words of Christ. And boy, what a wonderful message he has for us here today. At least it was wonderful to me, and I pray it'll be a blessing to you. John chapter 15, the Bible says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. I'll not preach on it, but boy, verse 2 is important. Notice everybody gets cut down every once in a while. Verse 3, now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Here it is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you, uh, Lord, again, for the privilege, the strength, the health, the country opportunity to be in your house here today at Central Baptist Church. I'm thankful that I have a copy of the Word of God. Not everybody has that around the world, and I'm thankful I can open it, Lord, without fear. We can read it, and we can preach it, Father, without worry. Lord, I pray today as we come, Lord, I I know I have what you've given us to preach, and I pray you'd help me preach it in a way pleasing to you. I ask for liberty, Father, in moving of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that our hearts would already be opened and ready and willing to receive your Word. Father, if there is one here lost today, Or maybe someone in the the deep reaches of their heart, in the back of their mind, there's a doubt whether or not they're saved, that if they died right now, they'd go to heaven. I pray that, Father, you'd help them get that settled today. Come down, Lord, during the invitation. For those that are saved, Father, I do pray that you'd challenge us today. Uh, Lord, in the world we're living, to be what you've called us to be, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, every time you read the Word of God, it's important that you get the context about what you're reading. Now, I know sometimes we're in a rush. We will read through a few Proverbs or read one or two verses, and sometimes you're not able to get the full context of what's going on in that passage of Scripture, but sometimes it really bears mentioning when introducing the message as we're going to do today. As we begin reading in John 15, uh, you need to notice where it's at in the book of John. It's, we're drawing toward a close here in the conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. And what we're reading in John chapter 15 really is nothing less than some parting words that Christ has for his disciples. It's important to know that because he is preparing them for a time that he is not going to be with them. Now, I want you to think about what it must have been like to walk with Christ. I know what it's like in my own personal walk with God and my devotions with him to spend time with him and to walk with him spiritually, maybe through his word, through the leadership of his spirit and my time with him. I know what that is like and isn't it sweet to have a walk with God? 
Is it that time that we get to spend with God in that morning, rising up early, giving him that preeminence of our day to to spend time with him? And I I hate when the sun comes up. This morning, I got up, and I'm sitting there, and I opened the blinds, and uh, I'm working on my laptop, putting my notes there so I don't have to turn all the lights on and wake up the family. And, uh, And then I begin seeing the sun come up this morning. And I know that once that sun begins to rise, that quiet time, no offense to my wife and daughter, that quiet time's not going to be as quiet. Blow dryers are going to be running and hairspray and my wife's listening to preaching on Sunday mornings. My wife listens to uh, Christian music on Sunday mornings. And and so it's going to get a little noise there. Boy, I really miss that quiet time because I enjoy spending time with my Savior. I really do. And don't spend as much as I should, by the way. And I don't know that any of us do, to be honest. But can you imagine what it would be like to walk with Christ physically, to be there with him, to hear the word of God from the living word of God, to be with him when he performed those miracles, when the dead were raised, the lame were healed, the water was turned into wine, to be there with him, to see all of that. And I want to tell you, I try to imagine what it's like. I'm I'm 42 and my imagination is still alive and well. And I try to imagine what that was, would have been like. And I would have felt like any time I was with Jesus that I was always in the majority. You know, it doesn't matter how many people were around. You're with Jesus. I mean, I probably, Brother Lenny, I'd probably be even a little cocky. You know, don't mess with me. He'll zap you. I mean, he could do that. I, I don't find that in Scripture, but I'm sure that he could. If he could have called down legions of angels, he could zap somebody. I believe that. Man, I'd walk around. I'd probably have a lot more boldness. I wouldn't have worry. I mean, look, my stomach would growl. I wouldn't worry. I know he could turn the rocks into bread if he wanted to. I know that there was a problem. He could part the sea if he wanted to. He could calm the storm if he wanted to. I mean, can you imagine the boldness of being able to walk with Christ and all of a sudden realize he's about to leave? Now, they're going to be able to commune with him still. We'll see that momentarily. But he's not going to be there with them physically. In John 15, he's preparing them for a time that they're not going to be with him. And I know their hearts must have been sinking after all this time, spending this time with him. And I can't help but think, as it would be in my life, that as he's sharing with them all of these things are about to unfold, that there's a temptation to be doubtful and fearful and to worry you're not going to have Jesus there. Kind of like uh, my little brother. He's, uh, uh, he's always been my little brother. He's five years younger than I am. And uh, he was always getting scraps on the bus. What he had to scrap about, I don't know. But I think he just enjoyed scrapping him. Would be scrapping on the bus. And he knew the elementary got out first. And he would only have to scrap for a little bit before big brother got out of, uh, of sixth or seventh grade. And then big brother would be there to back him up. And usually that meant big brother got beat up on his behalf, you know, and you got to love a brother like that. No, I do. I love my brother. I hope we get to meet him here before too terribly long. But I think about them, the disciples, thinking that same way. Christ is being taken off the scene. They're going to be left there alone, and now there's feelings of doubt and fear and worry, and maybe they're questioning, and suddenly they don't feel like they're in the majority anymore. You know, with Jesus, you're always in a majority, no matter how many people there are. And now Jesus has been, is going to be taken away, and they're going to be left all alone. And so in John 15, the context of what Christ is telling them is literally preparing them for the days that are coming where he will not be there with them physically. So what was the parting words he gave to them to prepare? I want you to notice six times in the first ver- uh, eight verses that we've read, six times he uses the word abide in me. Abide in me. He says that six different times. It's interesting. The three years they spent with him, watch closely, they enjoyed security of abiding with him. They had security because they were with Christ, and yet now Christ is about to be taken from them. Yes, they will have the Holy Spirit, but they're not going to have the physical presence of Christ. And so for those three years, there is security and abiding with Christ. But now they're going to have to learn how to abide in Christ because he's going to be taken from them. Now, why is this so important? Well, we're in a series right now about defending against the fall about living in what is virtually right now a Christless world, is it not? We look around, Christ has been kicked out of government in our schools, and Christ is being even kicked out of some churches. Why? Because of political correctness. We are living in a Christless world. 
Now, I'm thankful that I got, when I got saved, I got with Christ, amen? I'm thankful I met him. I'm thankful that I know him. But boy, it sure would be nice if he was here physically with us, wouldn't it? I mean, I wouldn't be as scared sometimes if Christ was with me when I knocked on certain doors, especially when they have big dogs. <laughs> Zap him. <laughs> Zap him. <laughs> you know, they come out, their dog's sitting there, a smoking smolder of fur, you know? He got zapped. Man, but I don't have Christ with me physically, so what do I do? How do I defend against this fall, this spirit of apostasy we're living in? These apostles are about to have that same question answered. They're going to have to live in a world that is against them, and most of them would die a martyr's death. So they're living in a, basically a spirit of apostasy, and Christ's words to them were, learn how to abide in me. You have abided with me, now you've got to abide in me. And we're going to look at that here today on defending against the fall, and we're going to look at this subject of abiding in Christ. What does it mean to abide in Christ? We've looked at being anchored in our hope. We've looked at being rooted in the word. We've looked at being grounded in our faith. But he tells the disciples here what you need to learn how to do is learn how to abide in Christ. I want you to know something this morning. The introduction is going to be a little long. Stick with me. But i got to introduce it for you to get the three short points I'm going to give you as well, okay? Amen. When we came to know Christ, watch, there was a reunion with God. You see, in the Garden of Eden, sin separated man from God. We were separated because of our sins and our iniquities. We talked about it last week, have separated us from God. And Christ came to reconcile man and God. Christ was literally the man in the middle. He took our hand, he took the hand of the Father, and he reconciled us together when he, stood, when he, when he was up on the cross and he said, it is finished. He pulled us together. Thank God for that. And so there was a reunion with Christ when we came to know him as Savior. But I want you to know that just because you're saved doesn't mean that you're exempt from the falling away. Just because that union has been made with Christ and you have been reconciled with the Father through Christ, that doesn't mean that you can't get caught up in this falling away. You see, being with Christ is not enough. You've got to learn how to live in Christ. You say, what's the difference? Stick with me, okay? When you got saved, there was a union with Christ. But in order to defend against the fall, you must have communion with Christ. That's learning to abide in him. I'm thankful today. Listen, I can never lose my salvation. Aren't you? If I could lose it, I'd have already lost it. And I don't know. My wife's a pretty good scavenger hunter, but I don't think she could help me find it. She helps me find my socks and my, my shoes and stuff that I've lost. Boy, I tell you, if you lost your salvation, you couldn't find it. Aren't you thankful what the Bible says in Romans 8? The Bible says, what shall separate us from the, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm thankful I can't lose it. But watch this. How do we defend against this fall? Well, he tells his disciples, I want you to learn how to abide in me. And this morning we're going to look at that, all right? Salvation was our union. But the only way you're going to serve God and stand for God in the midst of a falling away, that spirit of apostasy, you've got to learn how to have communion with Christ. I believe that's the greatest failure amongst Christians today. We got our union, but we neglect our communion. Now look, I'm not talking about the crackers and the grape juice. I'm talking about a daily, personal walk, spending time communing with Christ. That's how we abide in Christ. So this morning, I want to show you why that's so important. As a matter of fact, the Bible is going to show us why that's so important, that we learn how to abide in Christ and commune with Christ. The Bible says in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. He goes on down to say something very important in verse 4. I want you to see about this. He's speaking about us being the branches. He says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. 
So Christ shows us what we are. We're the branches. He's the vine. Remember we sing that at camp? You know, he is the vine and I am. Okay, maybe you don't know that song. We need to teach that, brother Zach. We need to teach that song. He's the vine. Amen. Tonight, come back tonight. We're going to learn the camp song. He is the vine and I am the branch in his banner. Okay, man, some of you guys need to go to youth camp every once in a while, okay? He says, you're the branches. He says, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. But watch what he says in verse 5. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. So we're the branches, but he tells us why we have to abide in Christ. And there's three words I want you to see. I'm not even going to alliterate our points today. I'm going to make it very, very simple. In verse number four, he uses three words you need to understand why you need to abide in Christ. It says in verse four, the branch cannot. The branch cannot. You see, union with Christ is essential. You've got to be saved. But communion with Christ is indispensable. And can I tell you why you've got to learn to abide in Christ? Three simple words. The branch cannot. That's number one. You've got to learn to abide in Christ because the branch cannot. Now, who is the branch? The branch is us. Now, this is a sobering and very humbling statement by Christ, reminding us of who we are outside of him. Think about it. What he's showing us here is a clear picture of what we are capable of without Christ. You know what it is? Nothing. What did he say? Verse 5. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth fruit, much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Can I tell you, the reason your union with Christ being saved is not enough to keep you from getting carried away in the spirit of apostasy. That's not enough. You've got to have communion with Christ. You've got to learn to abide in Christ because I assure you, your salvation will get you to heaven, but it will not fend off the falling away if you're not abiding in Christ. Why? Because the Bible says you cannot. You cannot. It says the branch cannot. I hate to tell you this, this is a lesson far too many wait far too long to learn. That apart from Christ, I can do nothing. We look at this spirit of apostasy overtaking our world. We've been studying in our class in Sunday school and taboo topics, and we see the immorality in our world. That current is going out. The tide is changing. Our world is getting darker and darker and darker. And for some odd reason, God's people think that, you know what? I don't have to walk with God and I'm still going to be okay. It's not going to work. He says here, listen, I'm going to be gone from you. I'm not going to be with you anymore. Therefore, you've got to learn to abide in me. You've got to commune with me. Even though I'm not with you physically, you've got to walk with me spiritually. This is what I believe is taking so many of our children. Yes, they got saved. They got their fire insurance. They have been with Christ, but we never taught them to abide in Christ. Mom and Dad, I've said this a lot of times during this series. you got to get this this morning. You're not always going to be there for your kids. You're not always going to be there to tell them that, hey, that's not the right company to hang around. You're not always going to be there with them to say, hey, this is what you should do and this is what you shouldn't do. But, oh, if they're abiding in Christ, I'll tell you, Christ will do what you never could. Christ will be there to give them direction and instruction. Christ will be there to give them that conviction that they need in their life. But the sad thing is they learn from mom and dad that it's okay to be satisfied being with Christ but not in Christ. That we don't have to walk with him on a daily basis. The Bible's very clear in verse number four. The Bible says, the branch cannot. I think I'm going to get it made on a plaque and put above my door in my office to remind me every time I walk out to preach, the branch cannot. I get behind this pulpit to preach. doesn't matter how much study I've put in. doesn't matter how much reading I've done. doesn't matter how much prayer I've had. If I'm not abiding in Christ, I cannot. You say, I cannot what? Do anything. Hey, you can go out there and door knock and try to win people to Christ. But if you're not abiding in Christ, you cannot. You're not going to be able to do the will of God and defend against this fall if we don't learn how to abide and commune with Christ on a regular daily basis. We see this in Mark chapter 5 and verse 26. The lady who had the issue of blood, the Bible says all these years she had this problem. The Bible says in verse 26, she suffered many things of many physicians. The Bible goes on to say she spent all that she had, and she was nothing bettered. Rather, the Bible says she grew worse. But then she heard of Jesus. Then she heard of Jesus. 
I want you to hear me out. Watch what happened in this lady's life. She come to the place to realize the branch cannot. She had tried everything she could. She had spent all that she had. She tried others, and they couldn't help her either. And finally, she says, the answer must lie with Christ. What I find interesting in, verse, in chapter 5, the Bible says she suffered many things. Do you know if you try to live outside of Christ, you're going to suffer many things? I, I say this all the time, and I know it sounds like a broken record. Why do we have to keep making the same mistakes of the past generation? Why can't we learn from them? To see that here are these people that abided outside of Christ. Yes, they may have had their fire insurance and they're on their way to heaven, but they tried to live without a personal close walk with Christ in their daily life, and they could not. They couldn't hold their marriage together. They couldn't keep their children out of sin. No, you can't. Why? Because outside of Christ, we can do nothing. And the best thing we could learn this morning is, I must abide in Christ. Why? Because the branch cannot. And you're going to suffer many things if you try it. You're going to do it. Keep reading the verse. It, says, it goes on to say, and it's spent all. It's amazing. Not only will you suffer a lot outside of Christ, uh, but it'll cost you a lot outside of Christ. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but oh, I'm sure we could go around the room this morning and you could share testimony after testimony of things you suffered and what it cost you to run from Christ. It'll always cost you. The Bible says she was nothing better. Yeah, rather, it grew worse. And then finally, she says, I'm going to turn to Christ. Can I encourage you to do something today? Look, if you're saved here this morning and you have been with Christ, could I encourage you to learn how to abide in Christ? Why? Because the branch cannot. I underline that. I told my wife, I said, it's too simple. I'm just going to preach it exactly what it says. The branch cannot. You say, cannot what? Cannot do anything God said you could do outside of Christ. I'll give you the good news here in a minute, but I want to say the best to last. Can we do that? All right? Matthew chapter 14, verse 30. Here's Peter walking on the water. Man, he's doing good. By the way, why was he doing good? Where was he headed? He was headed to Christ. Man, he's walking on the water, the Bible says, to go to Jesus. Look what he was accomplishing because of where he was headed. Oh, things change when your direction changes. Amen? But then the Bible says he saw the winds boisterous and got afraid. All of a sudden, his focus is no longer on who? It's no longer on Christ. And the Bible says he began to do what? He began to sink. See, just like the woman who had spent all and was nothing better and suffered many things, when you take your focus off Christ and communing with Christ and abiding in Christ, that's when you begin to sink. I'll be honest with you. I've sunk a lot of times in my Christian walk. Do you know what it should tell me? My focus is not where it needs to be. He cried to Christ and he says, Lord, save me. Do you know what Peter was saying? He was saying, I've just come to the conclusion, the branch cannot. You ever tried walking on water? The branch cannot. The branch cannot. But through Christ you can. But you've got to abide in him. Someone said this once, that life with Christ is an endless hope. And life without him is a hopeless end. Oh, what a truth. Life with Christ is an endless hope. The preacher mentioned it the other night about the missionary. Was it Adoniram Judson or was it Kerry? They get attributed to both of them sitting in the prison and said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. You say, I'm looking to Christ. Why? He's an endless hope. But all getting away from Christ and not abiding in Christ, that's when you have a hopeless end. And why we see our society today hopelessly lost and sinking. The other day, I bought my wife an antique, I think would probably be more considered junk, uh, pie safe. Okay, that's the kind of antiques I like to get because they're usually more affordable that way. And she was wanting a pie safe. We finally found it, but Zach went and picked it up for me and uh, got it back to the house and realized there was more work in it than I thought. And you know, that's the way it usually goes with junk teaks, you know, more work in it than you originally thought there was. Uh, evidently, whoever had it uh, changed their mind a lot because there was five different colors of paint that I had to dig down through. I started with a pad sander, and then I started with that goop that just kind of scrapes it off. And then finally, I got all the goop off and started sanding it with a pad sander. My dad gave me a good one, man. We're sitting there, and we're sanding it down, trying to get down to the raw wood. And as I went round and round with the pad sander, all of a sudden, it just died. Ooh. Trouble, man. Why? Because that hand sanding is the pits trying to get all that stuff off of there. And so, man, I did what any man would do when his tool quits working. I whacked it. 
Andy Griffith said one time, he says, womp it and spit on it, and that'll get it working. Evidently, it works. It worked for him on the television shows. So I womped it one good time, and it didn't come on. And then I did what another man would do. I shook it. And it didn't work. And then I did what every man does when those two things don't work. I just sat and stared at it for a little while. <laughs> trying to figure out, what is wrong with Masander? Light bulb. I started following the cord. I could have been a detective. I really could have. If, Lord, if the Lord hadn't called me into ministry, I'd be solving crimes right and left. I followed the cord all the way over to the box that was there. And lo and behold, in all of my vigorous working, I had pulled it out of the wall. It didn't have power. Stick with me. It wasn't plugged in. The power was there, but it wasn't plugged into it. And I had the tool. And you know, I could have sat there with my sander and just pretended it made noises. Look at my wife. This is how men do it. You know, who needs electricity? I'm an American man. You know, trying to get off. But man, I wouldn't have accomplished a whole lot. Why? Wasn't plugged in. Wasn't plugged in. Hear me out. Look, there's a lot of us today are just like that sander. All right, we got all the equipment, we've got everything we need to accomplish what God desires that we do. Our only problem is we're not plugged in. He said, You've got to learn to abide in me. You got to be plugged into me. And if you're plugged into the world, you can't be plugged into Christ at the same time. You can only be plugged into one thing at a time. And sadly, a lot of us are just like my sander. Man, we're going through the motions and we're making some noise, but we're not accomplishing anything. Because we're doing it without Christ. Look, I think we've got this thing too streamlined in ministry. We've got the program nailed down too much. We've been to too much college and we know too much that we think we can do church without Christ. And that's why we're not seeing our country change. We're going through the motions. We're making a lot of noise. We've got beautiful buildings that I thank God for. But we're missing the key component is that the church of the living God no longer abides in Christ. We figured out how to do it without him. And boy, it looks good. Last night on the way home, my wife and daughter, we were, she was holding the phone, and we were watching some uh, charismatic services, uh, preparing for the Sunday school lesson this morning. And my daughter said, I can't believe tens of thousands of people would turn out to hear that. I said, I could. I could. Why? Because that kind of church makes you feel good. When you don't preach the word, man, there's no conviction. It's the word that brings conviction. When you don't preach the word, man, you can draw a crowd real quick. Here's the problem, but we're not accomplishing anything. Why? Because the branch cannot. The branch cannot. I don't care how good we make ourselves look. I don't care how good we learn how to do this. I mean, I have an order of service up here. tells me when there's going to be songs and specials and all that. And we can have all the program we want in the world. But if we're doing it without Christ, it's fruitless because the branch cannot. You take a, 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 a grapevine and you cut a branch off of it and you put it on your kitchen table. And you watch that thing all day long. You watch it tomorrow and the next day and the next week. It'll never produce fruit. Why? Because the branch cannot outside of the vine. Christ says you've got to learn how to abide in me. Now here's what's interesting. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world but now in Christ Jesus, who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Do you notice the first part of that verse says? It says, at that time, you were without Christ. If you're saved here today, there was a time in your life you were without Christ. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, right now you are without Christ. Oh, what a scary thought. Why? Because the branch cannot. It cannot what? It cannot save itself. It's only through Christ. But the Bible says... But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Made nigh by the blood of Christ. Oh, what a shame it is that we are saved. And there's the power and everything we're looking for. But we won't plug into it. Why? Because in order to plug and abide in Christ, it means I can't abide somewhere else. Have you ever learned that you can't be in two places at once? I try sometimes. Like Peter Pan, trying to catch his shadow. Uh, it's hard. You can't do it. Neither can you abide in two places at once either. 
You can't abide in the world and abide in Christ. And as long as you're abiding in the world, you're doing nothing for Christ. Why? Because unless you abide in him, ye can do nothing. So number one, why should we abide in Christ? Well, because the branch cannot. We simply cannot do it on our own. Number two, look down at verse five. Verse four says the branch cannot. What does verse five say? I am the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him. The Bible says the same bringeth forth much fruit. So what... What Christ is doing here, he's giving a compliment sandwich, okay? We know how to do that. Everybody know how to do that? Husbands, I want to tell you, look, learn that one, amen? You got something hard to say, say something nice on the front of it, say something nice on the back of it, and you squeeze the bad news in the middle, you know? Hey, you look great today. I wrecked the car, but I bought you a new dress. Boom, just like that. It's done. You just served it up, buddy. And they see, the, oh, I love the dress and all that. Yeah, it just works out that way, you know? What'd you say about the car? Oh, I'm, I'm getting it worked on. You know, compliments. This is what Christ is doing. He first tells you the bad part, that you can do nothing. That's the bad part. Now he's fixing to put something good on the inside. Watch what he says. He says that when you abide in me, in verse 5, you bring forth much fruit. Notice something positive here. This is number two. Why abide in Christ? Because that's where the fruit is, number two. That's where the fruit is. Christ is giving them a promise of productivity. Don't you want to be productive in your Christian life? Don't you want to accomplish something? The older I get, and I'm not old by any, I don't even think I'm I'm middle-aged yet. I really don't. I'm only 42. My brother Jim's almost been married longer than I've been alive. I'm not middle-aged. Man, I want to accomplish something before I get to the second half of this thing. I, I don't know when my time is going to come where God calls me home, but I want to have some fruit when he does. And the only way I'm going to have fruit is to learn how to abide in Christ. Why? Because he says, unless I abide in him, I'm not going to have any fruit in my life. By the way, fruit shows up. Fruit shows up. Can you look in the own, your own spiritual mirror of the word of God and see fruit in your life? Is there any fruit there? Any evidence that you're abiding in Christ, it should show up every once in a while. Listen, I think we've come up with this this grand idea that the fruit of a Christian, yes, it is other Christians. Then we have the fruits of the Spirit and Galatians, but I think we think they're all invisible. Uh, I've met people who have invisible friends. That's the best kind to have. They're the cheapest to shop for. You know, when their birthday rolls around, I got you a Corvette. It's just as real as you are, you know? Man, listen to me. The fruit of a Christian, it shows up. He says, matter of fact, you go on down and you look in at uh, at verse number eight. Here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. You see, that is an evidence of who we say we are is some fruit in our life. And the only way you're going to have fruit is to abide in Christ. If you want to have that, that opportunity to present something at the feet of Christ, when you stand before him, you've got to learn how to abide in him. You can't abide in the world and expect to have fruit abound to your account. It's not going to work that way. Now, here's what's interesting. The other day, I was at a Lucky Rabbit with my wife. And uh, I tried to give her some time throughout the week and go do some things she wants to do. And she wanted to go to the Lucky Rabbit. They should name it the Unlucky Husband rather than the Lucky Rabbit. Because you walk out of there, you usually lay down some money. But she's usually pretty frugal. She's smiling at me right now, that smile like, I'll kill you when we get home. But uh, it's going to be all right. We're walking around the Lucky Rabbit. And they have no air conditioning in there. All right? It's the hippest, coolest antique store you've ever been to. I mean, there's this guy walking around with a ukulele and this thing over his ears with a kazoo. Uh, and not only is he, does he have it, he's working it, man. He's walking around playing the ukulele. And I wish I had that kind of courage. I just don't have that kind of courage that he does. But there's no air conditioning in there. Man, people walking around there sweating, sweating down, standing in lines. I mean, they're standing in lines there with the treasures that they've found, walking around, fighting through crowds to get up the stairs. I mean, it is, a, it is pandemonium in that place. And I told my wife as we walked out the door, I said, you know they didn't have air conditioning in there? She said, yeah, I noticed. I said, you know all the people sweating? Yeah, people standing in line, you know, working their way through the crowds. I said, you know why they're willing to do that? Because there was something there they wanted. I wonder how much our numbers would drop if we cut the air off. I'm not, okay, because I like it too. <laughs> Amen. It's a gift. I'm going to use it as long as we have it. I told, uh, I told Steve last night, we were having dinner at their house, 
And uh, I says, I am ashamed, Brother Steve. He says, why? I said, because I can tell you when my air goes from 70 to 69. There's something bad wrong with that. That I was so sad. Tell my wife, it's getting hot in here. She said, it's set on 70. I, said, I know, turn it back down. It's, uh, I'm hot. But those people were willing to stand in line, sweat down, fight the crowds. Why? Because there was something in there they wanted. Watch this. They were willing to abide there because there's something they wanted. When you get to the place where you want that fruit in your life that says you are who you say you are, you're going to be willing to make the commitment to abide. No matter if it's air-conditioned or not, I'm going to abide. I'm going to plug into Christ. I'm going to unplug from the world. I'm going to plug into Christ. Why? I want that fruit in my life. Look, the trump of God's going to sound before too long, and our fruit basket's going to be empty, all because we didn't have the courage to plug in. We had everything else fixed. We just were not abiding in him or communing in him. I'll tell you, 2022, life is hard, isn't it? Life is hard. I mean, it's the hardest life I've ever had to live, and I think it's probably going to get a whole lot harder from here on out. But I'll tell you this, in spite of how hard it is, the Bible says I can still have fruit and that God can bring, in my, bring about something in my life that I can't bring about in my life outside of him. Prime example is John Newton. I reread his story last night and this morning. John Newton, we know, was involved in the slave business and was miraculously saved. John Newton would go on to write Amazing Grace. We know the song well. The story says this in a quote. He says, I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world, but still I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. He said, although my memory's fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. How did this man go from being some of the worst of the worst in the slave trade, kidnapping people, separating them forever? How did he go to the man who wrote the anthem of all Christianity? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Where did he get that from? He says, I got it in Christ, who's a great Savior. You see, when you're in Christ, the fruit is there. You say, what is the fruit? Well, I'll give you, one, I'll give you a couple real quickly before we close. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph, in Christ. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. You see, when you plug up to Christ, one of those fruits that we get is victory. There's triumph. Oh, 2022, it's hard right now to do what God's called us to do. It's hard to fight against that flow that's trying to carry us away from God. Boy, the current away from God's strong, isn't it? strong. The most godly person in here would tell you they feel the tug every once in a while too. Away from God. And you're thinking there's no way. I look at the world. It's a tidal way. There's no way. The Bible says he causes us to triumph in Christ. That means you get plugged up to him. You commune with him. One of those fruits that we get from that is we get victory. I don't know about you. I need victory every once in a while. I do. I think it was Wednesday night where the Odom preached, and he mentioned the demoniac of Gadara. And while he was preaching, I couldn't help but think, all those men that tried to chain that man up, put him in prison. I kind of look at it like social programs. They kept trying to fix this problem by handcuffing him, and, and you know, it just, it, they couldn't. They couldn't. Why? Because the branch cannot outside of Christ. And then Jesus comes along and saves his soul. Can I tell you what those men didn't see? I mentioned this Wednesday night. They didn't see what was below the surface. Below the surface, there was over 2,000 demons living in that old boy. But Christ caused him to triumph. You know, this morning, I told Sunday school class today, I'm not a priest. Thank the Lord. Don't confess to me, okay? I don't want you to come and confess. You just tell the Lord. I'm thankful you can go straight to the throne of the Father and through Christ, okay? You take care of that. But boy, probably surprise us all, wouldn't it, this morning if everybody knew what was below the surface in this room that you're fighting with that nobody else knows. Something going on, a war raging in your heart, a fight, a battle in your mind. 
Like that old demoniac, man, there's something below the surface that, man, he couldn't even overcome of himself. Why? Because the branch cannot. But Jesus made his way toward him. Jesus helped him out. Jesus freed him without chains. But it only came in Christ that he was able to triumph. I don't know what you're battling this morning, but can I tell you, if you'd unplug from the world and plug into Christ and abide in Christ, you would find there's victory waiting in Christ. But outside of him, what does the Bible say? Ye can do nothing. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a victory, listen, waiting for you once you decide to abide in Christ. I'm not going to unplug on Sunday, plug back into the world on Monday through Saturday, and I'm going to come back over here and plug back in on Sunday. Listen, that's not the way it works. The word abide means to remain. I'm going to plug in, and I'm going to stay in. Why? Because that's where the fruit is. I can't do anything of my own, but when I plug into Christ, oh, what God could do with someone who sells out their life and their will to him. God could work through that. No telling what God could do with you. You're probably thinking, well, I can't preach, and I can't sing, and I can't teach. All of these things we can't do, but through Christ you can. Why? Because number one, he causes us to victory. But then I want you to think about the Apostle Paul this morning real quickly. The Apostle Paul lived in a time like we're living in of great turmoil and immorality. Now, you can't read the letters to the churches and not see the turmoil Paul lived in. The poor old boy was always running for his life. I mean, somebody was always after him to beat him, to arrest him, try to kill him, snakes trying to bite him. I mean, Paul had all this turmoil in his life. And yet, here's what I notice when I read the Apostle Paul's writings. When I read it, I don't see that turmoil in his spirit. Think about it. If I was the Apostle Paul, I'd be the biggest, most miserable, bitter Christian grump the world ever saw. Why all this stuff happened to me? And yet Paul's spirit, I mean, he's always victorious. Why? He found victory in Christ. But wait a minute, there's something else. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, another one of those fruits that you get by plugging up to Christ and abiding in Christ, you get triumph, you get victory, but then there's peace there. When I read about the Apostle Paul, all the stuff he went to, he's not griping or complaining. He has peace in his life. And you're thinking, yeah, he was probably medicated. I mean, there's no way that somebody could go through all of that stuff and still have peace in their life. Yeah, that's why it's called a peace that passes understanding. You don't understand it. How could you go through all of that? How could you have such grief and pain in your life and yet you still have a good attitude that you're pressing toward the mark for the prize? Ooh, when he plugged up, he found something. It's called peace. I believe so many of the Christians this morning, the reason you don't have peace is you're plugged up over here in the world. The Bible says that in the world, wait a minute, let's just quote scripture. In the world, you will have tribulation. And when you plug up to the world and you're in the world, you're plugged up to trouble and heartache and grief and pain. But when we plug up to Christ, no matter what the world does, we have peace through our Lord Christ Jesus. You see, you need to get to the place where you're abiding in Christ again. Why? Because that's where the fruit is. Abiding in, in Christ will keep you calm when everybody else is living in chaos. And then you say this. You say this morning, well, what about all the unprecedented things that happened to us? I probably used the word unprecedented more in the last three years than I have all of the rest of my life combined. Because we've lived in a lot of unprecedented times, haven't we? I mean, unprecedented. What does unprecedented mean? Well, it, just, it means that things we didn't know were going to happen and things we weren't prepared for to happen, they happened. Right? Worst case scenario. We could probably sum up the last three years that way, couldn't we? Worst case scenario. 2020. The 2022 worst case scenario. Well, the Bible has something for us. I want to give you this before I give you the last point. We know this verse well, but do we really believe it? Because the Bible says in Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, in case you're still debating on getting plugged up to Christ today, in the debate with no matter what it is, you can through Christ. I underline those words, I can through Christ. 
I can't without Christ. I can through Christ. So what do you mean? Well, whatever battle you're fighting right now, you can through Christ. Hey, whatever the devil throws at you and you're thinking, there's no way I can stand against that, you can through Christ. Hey, unprecedented, doesn't matter. You can through Christ. But here's the key. You've got to abide in Christ. The disciples had no idea what they were going to face without him. Some of them would die very cruel, harsh deaths. But they did through Christ. I don't know what we're going to face, but I know that I can through Christ. That's where the fruit is that. You ever met a Christian? Went through a lot. Maybe a Christian like Stephen when he was being executed. And they're going through such a harsh, tough, difficult time. And yet you can tell their focus is still on Christ. You can see it in their countenance. You can hear it in their voice. They're plugged in. They're plugged in. They're abiding in Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Can I ask you this morning, how's your fruit crop doing? Do you have victory in your life? Do you have peace in your life? Are you prepared for the unprecedented? The Bible says you can if you abide. So number one, we see in verse four, you ought to abide in Christ because the branch cannot, you can't quit trying. Verse five, abide in Christ because that's where the fruit is at. And then look down at verse six, I'll give you this and we'll be done today. How do we defend against this fall? We've got to learn to abide, stay plugged in with Christ. Verse 6 says, if a man abide not in me, here comes the other part of that compliment sandwich. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. Notice that word withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Now, what we're seeing in verse number 6 is a branch that has been disconnected, if you will, cut off separated from. The Bible says that the result of that is we are withered. Number three this morning, why we should abide in Christ, because you don't want to wither. You simply don't want to wither. I know there's application here for the saved and the lost, but he's talking to the saved here, so we're going to focus on the saved. The word wither means to waste away. Waste away. You see, That while you're plugged into Christ and abiding in Christ, I'm not talking about just on Sunday, Monday, too. You're plugged in, you're abiding in Christ, you're getting what you need to function and produce fruit in the will of God for your life. But as soon as you unplug, because you want to go over here and plug into the world for a little while, as soon as you unplug, you begin to wither. You begin to weaken Your strength begins to drain. The definition in Webster says to cease to flourish, fall into decay or decline. The other day I was sitting on the couch and we looked across the living room. My wife has a couple of plants that she got at her grandfather's funeral. And I got to looking at one of them and either it was asleep or it was almost dead. I couldn't tell you exactly why, but it was just, the pot was here and I'm talking about every leaf was just draped over the outside of it. It looked horrible. And we had gotten busy throughout our week with the revival last week and forgot to water it. We had cut it off from its nutrients and supply of what it needed to function. And man, I'm like, I don't know that we could resurrect this one. That happens around our house a lot. We are the killers of plants. We kill them. If you need one to die, you call us. We'll be your plant hit men and take care of that for you. Okay. Leslie says, well, usually when it gets wilty, I just put some water in it and it comes back. And she took her phone and says, I'm going to set a time lapse on the couch. I'm going to video it when it, and it comes back to life. And I says, you do that. But I'm looking at it thinking, it's not coming back. It's, you know, it's gone. You know, it's four days late, you know. It ain't coming back. She put her camera there and I just kept watching it and kept watching it and kept watching it. She's doing laundry or something around that. And I kept watching it and it's like, it ain't moving. It's It's gone. And then we went into the house a few days later, and I looked, and that plant had perked up. It, a miracle right there in our house, you know, my wife's plant come back to life. What happened was, well, it had been withered because it was disconnected from its source of strength. And then she went over there, and she watered it, and after a while, it started getting those juices flowing back. And now it's just standing there. It's still alive. It's, it's waiting on its next, you know, death march that we're going to give it in a few days. It's just there. What happened? We reconnected it. We reconnected it. Can I tell you this morning, I'm afraid that a lot of us, it may not look like it on the outside, but on the inside, we're withered because we don't abide in Christ. 
I promise you, it doesn't matter who stands behind this pulpit, there's no preacher good enough to give you what you need on Sunday that's going to carry you your whole week without abiding in Christ. I can't do it for you. Your child's Sunday school teacher can't do it for them. They've got to learn to abide in Christ. Why? That's the only thing that's going to keep them from withering. How sad it is to watch the countenance of young people, to watch the direction and course of their life, and you can tell they're withering. You can tell. And you know by the direction they're headed and the life that they're living and the spirits that they have, their leaves are beginning to wilt. And the answer is the fact they've unplugged from Christ and they've plugged into the world and they think they're going to make it back in time where they get resurrected. But sadly, so often they don't. You never make it back. Why? Because you didn't learn how to abide in Christ. This is what the Bible says in Psalms 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. What is it saying? He's not living over here. Well, where is he? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Bible says, but his, delights, and he delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate. Watch this, day and night. He's plugged in. Day and night, keep reading, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. Staying plugged in. Staying plugged in. Can I tell you one of the most important things you can do in your Christian life to defend against the fall is to learn how to abide in Christ. You can only be plugged into one at a time. You might walk out of here today and say, good night. It is 12, 15. That guy preached so long. I, I surely got watered enough that I, oh, I don't even have to come back tonight <laughs> or Wednesday. And I'll be good. I'll coast in here on Sunday. My leaves will be withered and, and I'll get picked up. Oh, no. You better learn to plug in. Don't unplug when you leave here today and go plug back in the world and start pumping yourself full of tribulation and trouble. Why? Because after a while, you're going to wither to a point of no return. And when that apostasy, that spirit comes through, it's going to carry you and your family away all because you chose not to abide in Christ. I'm thankful for the anchor that we have in our hope. I'm thankful we can be rooted in his word. I'm thankful we can be grounded in our faith. But I'm going to tell you, you cannot afford this morning not to be sure that you are abiding in Christ. What about it, Christian, this morning? How's your fruit? Do you have victory? Man, you plug up to Christ, you get the joy of the Lord. That comes through that pipeline too. The peace of God, the joy of the Lord. I can do all things through Christ when you're plugged. Hey, does your life have any of that? Do you have any peace? Do you have any joy? Do you have any power? Do you have any victory in your life? Maybe you're not abiding in Christ. But then this morning, maybe you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior. Now listen to me. Listen to me. In order to abide in him, you must first meet with him. You've got to come to know him. Do you know Christ as your personal Savior today? Oh, the clock's ticking. Time's running out. The Lord's going to return before too long. And oh, I pray that he not only finds you with him and takes you with him, I hope he finds you abiding in him. Let's stand this morning. Our heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Are you abiding in Christ are you staying plugged in or are you going to plug into something else when you leave here today? Missing out on the fruit, missing out on all that God provides. Maybe this morning, look, you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe you've never come to know him. Oh, you would find all that you're looking for and more in him if you just trust him as your Savior today. Heavenly Father, I thank you.